for your wonderful grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your ever-abiding presence that has given us the opportunity to come before you. As your word comes, bless us, release us from every bondage, from every prison and stronghold in the mind. Empower us by your power and use us to become your right hand on earth, wherever we find ourselves that we will be able to share your grace that you have shown to us in a spectacular, wonderful way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. I want to welcome everyone to tonight. I believe tonight the Lord has a lot for us. For some time now, we've been talking about grace. We've been talking about grace, and it's a month of abundant grace. And I believe there are a lot of things that we have got to know. As children of God, I believe you can't do away with His grace. So I will kick it off first by reading a scripture. In Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it is a basic explanation of what grace is. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I read, it says, For by grace you have been saved. So it means salvation is by grace and it is through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God verse 9 not of the works lest anyone should boast so in these two scriptures we get to understand that salvation is made possible because of grace when you read other translation, it goes deeper. And the amplifier says that you have been saved. For it is by grace, God's unmerited favor, you have been saved. So, in our words, we can say that grace is God's unmerited favor towards you and I and our families. And that was done through faith. So, the reason why you need faith is that you can assess the unmerited favor, that is grace, by believing in Jesus. You assess it. And it is not by your works. It is not because you have won souls. It's not because you have done anything exceptional. It is just because God's favor. God so loved the world. You see, God just loved the world. So, grace is God's unmerited favor to us. Secondly, it is God's enabling power towards us as Christians. You see, when we read scriptures, 
Um, let's pick it up from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 6. I'm going to read quickly. It says, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. So before we continue, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father unless through me. So the thing that we are talking about faith, we are talking about grace. You cannot enjoy grace if you don't know Jesus. The grace of God can be received when you allow Jesus to be the Lord and personal Savior over your life. When you engage the Lordship of Jesus over your life, over your business, over your health, over everything. Scripture says, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. So you need to entrust God with everything that you have. So if it is, I mean, your kids, your family, your spouse, your job, your health, whatever it is, you trust it into the hands of God, into the Lordship of Jesus. And that grace is made available, that enabling power. Because grace comes in to equip you to overcome every inadequacy in your life. So it says in verse 4, it says, In the love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will, to the praise of his what? Glorious grace. Look at this. His glorious grace, enabling power, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. You see? So, God has given us his enabling power to us, in the one he loves. Who is the one he loves? He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, the beloved of God. So in Jesus, he had deposited grace. So our responsibility is to what? Believe and accept Jesus as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as the one who came to pay the price for us he knew no sin but he became sin so that we can enjoy what he had what god has in his kingdom that is grace so there was an exchange for you and he took your place and that is what we call grace or merited favor handed out unto us handed on to us so I wrote certain things down today. I was praying and I was asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want us to talk about, to learn, to study? And he said, what is grace to the believer? It's a simple um, studies today. What is grace to the believer? When we say grace, what is it to you? Is it good? Is it bad? What do you earn from it? What do you enjoy from it? Um, what does it take from your life? I mean, why should I, as a child of God, 
be so mindful of grace. You know, the early church, they were so mindful, even to, I mean, the point where when they were going to do certain things, they go to places that God had given them the grace to go. You see? So in everything that you are doing, when you are traveling, you should be inquiring of God. Is that within His will? Acts chapter 4 verse 33 makes us understand that God gave power to the apostles in the early church. And the power He gave to them, their enabling power, was that they can testify of the resurrection of Jesus. So, the reason why we can be witness, effective witness, that when people see us, they see God, is because we have received the power from Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And by that, we can testify. So in that same verse, it says that, and much grace was made available to them all. And when you proceed, it talks about the church not lacking. There was abundance, you see. That is one of the key things that we enjoy, the essence of grace. In other I mean, accounts in Acts, we get to know that, I mean, some of the early church, the apostles, the disciples, they traveled. I think Acts chapter 14, verse 26, it says that from Atalia, they traveled or they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God. You see, there's a place where the grace of God has been got committed to. And they went there. You see, there are certain places you go there, you function with ease. Because that is where the enabling power of God drives you to be functional. To be functional. To be functional. So, when our merited favor, the grace of God rests upon somebody, it sets them apart for the particular role or assignment. So, the Bible says, and Moses cried out, if we have found grace in your sight, separate us from these people. When you read Exodus 33, verse 14 downwards. Likewise, Noah, the Bible says, when there was too much sin, when the son of men were doing evil, the Bible says, but a man found grace in the sight of God. You see, he found grace in the sight of God. And this is the question I always ask. What was he doing? What was he doing? And we got to know that somebody who fears God, who reverence God. So when people were doing certain ungodly things, he was doing things that were godly. He feared God. He didn't want to do anything that would what? Jeopardize his relationship with God. And in our time, we have a lot of things that are jeopardizing our relationship with God. Taking our time, taking our heart, and it is sad. But as I was saying, what do believers gain from grace 
Why does grace means a whole lot to you as a child of God? You know, when Noah found grace in the eyes of God, God delivered him and his household from destruction. They were set apart. When he found grace, he received divine instructions, divine wisdom. Anyone who is a child of grace, as you have received grace, you have been given the keys to the kingdom of God, the keys to wisdom, the keys to an advanced knowledge. So what you have to do is to tap into that riches. So we have been blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. The inheritance of the saint. So when God says inheritance, it comprises of a lot of things. But most of the times we, we, we narrow things, we bottle things to only narrow, narrow, narrow things or to a handful. So when he found grace, the Bible says his house was delivered. So it's about time that you come to understand the, the, the essence of God's grace to you. He said, and the grace of God was with what? Noah. When destruction came, when the water started flooding, the earth, when everyone was outside the ark, the Bible says that Noah and his family were in the ark and they were enjoying. Not one of his family perished or got sick. The Bible never recorded it. So if the Bible, if God saw it wise not to record it, it means they didn't get sick. Exodus makes us understand that if you serve your Lord, your God diligently, he will not allow the sickness in the world. So there's a realm in grace where you get to, sickness can come to you. As I said, the inheritance, inheritance, they are keys to the kingdom. And Jesus is the way. So Peter made us understand in 2 Peter chapter what? 3 verse 18. He said, but grow in the grace. Grow in the grace. Grow in the grace. Are we growing? See, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the two goes together. Growing in grace and not only in the grace, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it means your knowledge of Jesus 10 years ago shouldn't be stagnated now. You should be able to grow every single day. That is why your quiet time with God counts. Elias says something that if we want to step into the place where we find grace and we are constantly in the sight of God and where the eyes of the Lord is seeking us out to favor us, to grant us grace, we need to engage prayer. 
We need to engage the word. We need to engage fasting. These are necessities. These are principles that drives us to grow in the grace that God has made available to us. What makes us have encounters with God is our intimacy. You see, and this intimacy can only be worked out with the word, with prayer, and with what? Waiting on the Lord. So, I want us to open our Bibles to second chapter, the chapter number 2, 11 to 12 verses of Titus. Of Titus. If we are there, I want us to read something there. It says in Titus chapter 2 verse 11 to 12. For the grace of our God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Look at this. It has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So earlier I said, what does or what grace is to the believer? And I wrote something down. See, the grace of God has been made available to all. This is something that you should know. That the grace of God has been made available to all. But the fact that it has been made available to all doesn't mean it's what assessed by all. I believe we all pay a uh, um, SNET or how do I social security or I mean the tax when we do pay it. But the question is this: Do you get to cash in? your tax or your pension or your yes what you do you are only mandated to get access to it when you pay it and you are also at the point of what reaping it that is when you go on pension when you are at the time or the age where it applies to so a baby cannot claim pension because that baby hasn't worked. He hasn't gone through the process. So yes, God's grace is made for all. All men. But it is only available to them who have what? The right to assess it. So God through Jesus made available his enabling power to keep man from ungodliness. So God made his grace available through Jesus. When Jesus came to die, he made it available to us. He made available his enabling power, that is grace, his unmerited favor to keep man from ungodliness and to enjoy the blessings or the pleasures in his kingdom. So one of the key things that you enjoy when you have grace 
is that you have the enabling power to keep you from ungodliness or righteousness. Because without that, ungodliness is the what? The priority. Earlier, I said this, that when Adam and man fell, you see, we stepped into a sin. We stepped to ungodliness. So everything that man did in the sight of God, it was not pleasant. You see? So man had to work, had to do all kinds of things to try to come to a place of perfection in the sight of God. But when Jesus came to die, he imputed upon us his righteousness. So grace grants us the righteousness of God. One of the things we enjoy, it makes us enjoy the righteousness of God. He said, Christ Jesus imputed his righteousness because of Jesus. So when God looks down, he doesn't see you, he sees Christ. And likewise, when Satan wants to come in and accuse you because you are a child of grace and the blood is speaking, he cannot accuse you because the things of the spirit, they are legalistic. You cannot accuse somebody who hasn't what offended or hasn't broken the law. And grace makes us perfect. So as I said, grace can only be enjoyed by those who what accept and acknowledge Jesus. So um, a popular scripture says, in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that is Jesus. And that as you and I, we believe in that Son who is the way and the access to receiving the enabling power, that is the grace of God, we will not perish. But we will enjoy eternal life. We will enjoy that life that makes us overcome. The life that makes us overcome is we enjoy it. And that is the requirement that we need to do. Out of this same life, the Lord releases something unique to us. He releases something unique to us. That's separates us from the people of this world. So spiritually, anyone who has received or found favor or grace in the eyes of God, you are exceptional. So you go to work, you sit with people and whatever you do, it is exceptional. They just can't place a hand on it. And that is why a lot of people envy people. That is why witchcraft operates. Because they realize that you are not part of them. You carry the light of God. That grace is exceptional. Satan can never have it. So what do they, what do, they do? They try to fight it. But he says something in his word. They will gather and they will assemble against you. But because it is not of God, he will scatter them. I decree and I declare, any evil gathering, because you have been set apart, 
because God has given you his power to do exploits, it will not stand. Because the Lord is with you. He says he has made salvation available. The saving grace is available to you. So God is going to defend you on all sides. When you receive the grace, the grace defends. Noah and his household were defended when the storms of life came. They were secured. They were secured. As long as Adam and Eve were reverencing God, they had everything. They had their security. By the moment that sin came in, when they gave reverence to the voice of Satan, they lost that security. They felt exposed. They, 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 they lost their sense of protection. And scripture says, and anyone who breaks the hedge, the serpent will come in and bite. But most of us, we have frustrated the grace of God. And that is what Jesus said through his apostle. That because we have grace, should we continue to sin? So we continue to be disobedient, to walk in ungodliness as he has sent his son to die for us, to redeem us at a hefty price. Should we continue? And Jesus said, grieve not the Holy Spirit. So the more you continue in repeating the same mistake over and over and over, yes, this grace is available, but you know what? The enabling power, the Holy Spirit, that converts. Gradually, you grieve it and the Holy Spirit will just step aside. And the enemy will come in. How do I know that? The Bible says, when Saul disobeyed the instructions of God through his prophet, he lost his kingdom. What gave him security? What gave him protection he lost it in the eyes of people they saw him as a king but he knew you know grace gives you this enabling power he lacked the confidence of god's spirit in him and as a result he was doing all kinds of things the bible says that this distressing spirit came upon him so anyone who doesn't have the spirit of god you see they they, they exhibit these things and sometimes as children of God, when we don't engage or grow in understanding of who Jesus is, as Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 18, we fail to appropriate the grace of God in our life. To let the grace of God move fully in our lives. So you find a child of God, yes, you are saved, Yes, God loves you. Yes, you have received a merited favor of God. Yes, you have the enabling power, but you are not growing in grace. So there's an aspect of your life you don't have the grace manifesting there. It's not manifesting there. It's not manifesting there. So probably it might be in, in your marriage, it might be in your health, and it's not manifesting there. It's not manifesting there. It's not manifesting there. And we need to grow. 
The reason why you need to grow in the word is that you will grow in grace. You've been operating with an aspect of grace for too long. So when certain storms comes your way, you are, how do I put it? You are like a retreat. You are easily blown apart. You are tossed here and there. Because you are only what? Operating in a level. In a fraction. So I, I, I challenge us to grow from today. Have that desire to press on. What does grace does? It teaches us. Or instructs us to live. To live. How to live as Christians. Grace instructs us. By turning our backs to ungodliness. You see. Turning our backs to ungodliness. The verse 12 of Titus chapter 2. It says this same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs to ungodliness. I'm reading from the uh, Passion Translation. In James, New King James says that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So when the grace of God comes upon your life, or when, when you receive grace, one of the things is it helps you to live the life of God. To live, not to die. Because when you sin, you die. But it gives you the ability to live. And how do you live? By turning your backs to ungodliness. So anything that is ungodly, when the grace of God comes upon you, you turn away from it. You, you don't have that desire. To get close to it. Your heart repels it. When people are talking about these things, I mean, it's like it is a sword piercing your heart. And you just can't feel, you don't feel comfortable. See, that is it. You stop indulging yourself in, in certain lifestyles. Because you have found grace in the eyes of God. You stop it. So somebody might be a murderer. But because that person encountered grace or the personality of Jesus, that person stops doing what he's doing. Certain addictions breaks. So somebody who is struggling with certain things, all he needs to do is to grow in the knowledge of Jesus and to engage and ask for the grace of God to step in. Because with your strength, you cannot do it. The Bible says that Paul was a murderer. Saul. But when he encountered grace, oh, he saw Jesus in a different light. The Bible says that a bright light what appeared. And the Bible says that he fell to his knees. That weakness had to go back to where it came from. We came from the earth. So he says he fell to the ground, signifying his, his, his weakness coming down. The Bible says he was blinded. What gave him the audacity to do what he was doing? God had to take it off for three days. And after three days, as Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus was in the belly of the earth. Three days. He was dealing with what? The weakness. He was dealing with the sin that caused man not to what? 
take their rifle, their rifle place. And you know what happened? When Jesus rose, he rose as a new person, a new creation, a new being who had overpowered evil. So the moment you believe in Jesus, you become a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You become a new creation. A new creation. Grace makes you new. So it takes away the desire. Probably maybe you had a desire to watch pornography, a desire to, I mean, smoke, a desire to um, drink. You had a desire, excessive a desire, I mean, gluttony. Eating all kinds of things. You don't want to eat, but it's like you are being compelled. Do you know what? God doesn't take your will. He has given us a free will. But you know what? When Satan takes over, or when the God of this world has influence over your life, he compels you. He compels you. So Apostle Paul says something. I beat my flesh I compel myself. I compel myself through prayer, through the word. I I I I I, I will myself to do that which matters. You see, and I believe when we engage the power of grace in our life, we can what enjoy that. Next thing that he says is that we get to live in self-control. So grace brings us to a place of self-control. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23 realizes it talks about, I mean, the last of the flesh, the weakness, the fruit of the flesh. And it came down and it talked about the fruit of the spirit. What has to do with joy, peace. And it has self-control. So when you receive the enabling power, it grants you self-control over a lot of things. So maybe at first you used to have issues with anger. I mean, every single thing you just burst out into anger. I mean, you get to do things in a violent way. When the grace of God comes, it, it changes you. It changes the way you see things. You perceive things. You realize that if it's not by, if it hadn't been by the mercies and the favor of God, you would have what? Been doing the same thing. So you've been pardoned. So you get to live a life that is exceptional. It takes fear out. When you receive grace, it takes fear out. One of the, it takes fear out. Peter was one of the, I mean, people who benefited from grace. And he wrote about it. He said, grow in it. Because within the three years of staying with Jesus, being close to Jesus, he realized that the fear that he had, had disappeared. That he could stand boldly before, I mean, in our time, the clergy, the bishops, the archbishops, then, that is the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. And he could boldly say to them, the Jesus you killed, in their name we preach. But this was the same person that when Jesus was caught, 
You see, he denied Jesus three times. What made a difference? Grace was made available because Jesus had finished what he was doing and he had what? Resurrected and it was made available by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to what? Enable and to empower them, the enabling power of God. You see, grace also helps us to be upright and godly. Joseph in the Old Testament in a foreign land was upright and godly. He did not, I repeat, he did not fall into the temptations, the desires, and his personal agenda. No. He fled. He fled. He fled from temptation. Because righteousness of Jesus is always imputed in grace. Bible says that because Abraham believed it was accounted unto him righteousness. When you read, I mean, the account of James chapter 2 verse 23, it, it references it there. In Romans also, Paul addresses it. You see, believing. So through of believing Jesus, because of his death, it has been given to us. It has been given to us. Now, the last thing I will say, Grace, is to a believer. I want us to read something in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Then we will conclude. I'm just going to read over uh, the verse. I read from the New King James. It says, The grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me switch over to the Amplifier so you can understand I mean, where exactly it's being said. It said, May the grace, God's unmerited favor. Can you see this? May the grace, God's unmerited favor and peace spiritual peace which means peace with god harmony unity and undisturbedness be yours and from god our father and from the lord jesus christ so one of the things that we get to enjoy when grace comes or when we embrace the the dimensions of grace in our life or grow in grace is that we get to enjoy peace of God. We get to enjoy. The two go together. As you grow in grace, naturally you come to understand that the peace of God is, is yours. Peter said, grow in grace and in the knowledge. Jesus said, I have given to you my peace, not as the world gives to you. So as you grow in the knowledge of Jesus, in his word, you get to know the truth. And the truth always sets you free. And as you are free, you are free mentally. Mentally, you know, in your mind, you are freed by the, the truth that you get to understand. By failure to know the truth, we perish. So scripture says that my people perish because of lack of knowledge. So you enjoy peace that is 
total well-being in your life. By the grace of God, we enjoy total well-being. The will of God is that we will prosper and be in good health. You see? So God is interested in our well-being. Your mental health, he's interested. He doesn't want you to be anxious. Apprehension, he doesn't want it in your life. He grants us spiritual peace. You don't have any, I mean, kind of attacks. He grants you that peace. He grants you that harmony in your house. If there's a marriage, if you are married, you have kids, he brings harmony. Harmony. Jesus on earth never instigated violence. No. He was, a, I mean, a harmonious person. He, he also made sure that unity was part of his gospel. Unity. So, um, based on the little, I believe that we can, I mean, dive deeper and get to embrace what grace is to us. That grace will instruct us in all godliness, in righteousness, to help us to keep ourselves in check by living in self-control. That will grant us the ability to be upright. To be upright. And we enjoy the peace of God. Hallelujah. It is my prayer that you will enjoy the peace of God. You will enjoy the uncompromising power that enables you to overcome every weakness, every lust of the world that is trying to have its root in your life, in your family, in your loved one. I said, the grace of God brings security to you. Abraham found grace and his family was secured. None of them perished. None of them was a victim of the flood. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard. The standard is the grace of God. When you encounter grace, it becomes a standard against any flood of the enemy. And I decree and I declare, as you are a carrier of the grace of God, you are exempted from any flood of the enemy. I decree and I declare that you and your household are exempted because the blood, the blood that is Jesus, blood is speaking good things into your life, over your finances, anything connected to you because of the grace of God. Divine security is your portion. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you.